I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And I'm going to also ask, um, which I haven't done before, but I would like, as you get um, the scripture that I have there in John 24, there's a portion that I want to read from the King James Version, I believe, and I'll, I'll let you know when I get to that, to that part. <clears throat> but if you bow your heads with me, let's pray. Today, God, we are thankful to be in the house of God, and we want to thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for the people that are here today. We thank you that we have a God who loves us beyond measure, came to die for us in our sins to save us from our sins, even before the creation of the world. You had already preordained, you had already worked out and mapped out all the details by which and how you would save us. And for that, we are grateful. We had nothing to do with it. We can take no credit for it. For as was said earlier, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And today we recognize that it is the blood of Christ that cleanses, that washes, that saves And we honor you today and give you all the praise. Now, bless the word of God. Pray that you will, Lord, anoint. Thank you for the service thus far. Continue to bless. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sister Michelle's son is doing an internship here at the courts in Marin County, if I'm correct. Is that correct? In the city, in San Francisco. And so we want to thank God that you were able to get the, I'm not sure if it's called an internship. What is it actually called? Clerkship. And so, um, is there anything in the future maybe for the Supreme Court? <laughs> Clerking maybe? We don't know? No? No? We're not sure? No, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, prayer changes things, so. <laughs> All right. We are getting close to our conclusion with the book of Acts. As you know, we've been studying Acts. And today I'm going to read the end chapter. Uh, chapter verse, uh, chapter 24, Acts 24. And what I want to do is, and would you put it, can you find the KGV? It's at the bottom if you look, yeah. I'd like to have that up there because of the portion I believe I want to reference. And in fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to start in the NIV, New International Version, Start reading, and then as, as um, Anisha is following along, I'm going to then read a portion from the King James Version from the monitor, from the projector. Beginning in verse number one. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. For those who are, let me just stop, and those who are looking to connect, if you go to PICF free, you want to go there, you can download or um, access the internet. PICF free. There's no password. Verse number two. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. I want to pick up now at that place in the King James Version. Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very 
worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. That is a word that should only be used by the Lord or for their, the Israelites' deliverance. Next, please. But that I be not further tedious unto thee, I entreat thee to hear us of thy clemency a few words. Okay, put it on the KJV if you would. Yeah, you probably have to just, yeah, and just keep going back. Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. Verse 5. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow. In your Bible, some of you may see the word pest. And a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Who also have gone about to profane the temple. Whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands. Chapter 7 does not read in the NIV. You have that. And that's one of the things I wanted to... Go back to 7, please. Wanted to point out verse 7, 24-7. It's not mentioned as such in the NIV. But I want you to note that. But the chief captain, Lysias, came upon us and with great violence took Paul out of our hands. I'm going to reference that a little bit later on. <clears throat> Go on to uh, verse 8. I'm going to pick back up in my translation... In verse 8, and continue and read the rest. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who is well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, come, 
he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, later Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. I think another version may say discoursed. As Paul discoursed, or his right here, as Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. Because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. As a title, I have given this sermon, Does Truth Really Matter? Does truth really matter? I need to say that I am grateful to have Adrian Hall on the front row. Amen. My old buddy. He killed me off in basketball, but not baseball. <laughs> he was he's the top. He, he, he great basketball player. He played all the sports. But Adrian gave his heart to the Lord last week. He was the one that raised his hand at the, at the service that came up afterwards, and he's here today. Called him this morning. He's trying to get Rhonda to pick him up. I see that he's here. Rhonda, I'm glad you're here too, and you didn't get pulled over by the higher patrol. So you didn't get ticket number four. <laughs> I even texted her mama, Sister Bob, please get in contact with Rhonda to make sure she gets Adrian. <laughs> Does truth really matter? I've given this title. I didn't get this title until this morning when I was on my way to church. Last night as I had been preparing and closed down and got to bed early this morning, I said, Lord, I need a title. And on the way, and so I sent a note to myself on my phone so that I wouldn't forget it by the time I got to the church. <laughs> <laughs> Jerusalem, where Paul had, had gone, was about 60 miles from Caesarea. It was the place Caesarea, if you remember. Herod, um, Agrippa I, I believe it was, had gone there. And we remember that we gave some history around him losing his life when the people said, this is not the voice of a God speaking. It is a voice, a voice of a man. It is the voice of a God. It is recorded that when he came out early that morning, that this outfit that he had, all silver, the way it glistened in the sun, caused the people to say, this is not the voice of a man. And because the Bible says he didn't give honor and glory to God, that he was struck down, and the Bible says within five days, he died. Caesarea was a place where the Romans had court and where they had their stronghold they would set up, and they had troops stationed in Jerusalem. 
because Jerusalem and because Rome ruled this area in this time, there were certain places that were hot spots where they would have guards and there was a heavy presence of soldiers. But where there wasn't much conflict, they didn't require a heavy guard population. But during the times of the festivals, we mentioned that they would then have more troops to come into the land for crowd control because Rome did not permit any riots to take place. They quickly would squash and put to an end any rebellion that would arise. When Paul was in prison this last time, he would never be free again as we noted. If you want a fair trial, and I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to speak of the courts just today, even though we have a clerk here today. and <laughs> This is part of the message. <laughs> if you want a fair trial in this world for standing for Christ, the likelihood is that you will not get one. When Paul was taken to Caesarea under Roman protection, it was because a plot had been discovered by Paul's sister's son. For those who are good in gene- genealogy, that would make him a what to Paul? Nephew. Nephew, good. He went and told Lysias, the, uh, the, the commander of the troops, and he got a detachment, three different detachments ready, and he sent Paul under Roman guard to Governor Felix with a letter. And so Paul arrived safely in Caesarea. Point number one that we want to address, and that is the hired liar, <laughs> listen carefully, the hired liar, the lawyer, Tertullus. <laughs> the hired liar, the lawyer, Tertullus. All lawyers don't lie. We have a lawyer over at Village Baptist named Jonathan Matthews, a Christian, man of God. He's a lawyer. Will defend you if it falls within the area of which he's practicing law. But you can't get your defense for free just because you might know him. Tertullus was a man that was hired and had to be the top in his field at this time, but he was hired by the Sanhedrin. Who was the Sanhedrin? The Jewish Supreme Court. Made up of how many members? 70, 71 members. It was the leaders that were upset and angry with Paul when he came to town. And it is a group, probably out of this group, that was also planning to kill Paul that had taken an oath that they wanted Paul dead. Anytime you proclaim the word of God and you stick to your guns, you're going to have opposition. I don't know why it is such a problem for us to understand that when you serve Christ, you're going to have problems. I've heard people say, oh, just come to the Lord and all your problems will be solved. True, they'll be solved, but it does not mean that you won't have to go through a lot of problems. As I mentioned before, but when you go through the problems, the Lord has already tempered the situation so that you will not be overwhelmed. That's the great thing about being a Christian, is that when God brings about a problem in your life or allows a problem to come, it is always for the benefit of helping you to grow 
And God has already tempered it so that if you do it according to his plan, you'll be able to get through it. The problem that we have is that we oftentimes veer off course. We go off into the tulips, into the valleys, into the, 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 the grass, rather than staying on the path that God has called us. And then we wonder, how come I'm having all of these problems? It's because you're not following what God has laid out clearly for you. Follow the narrow path, not the broad path that leads to destruction. When Tertullus begins his remarks, he pours out this verbiage uh, to, to Governor Felix, who was corrupt and was a criminal himself. You know, for Felix actually was a slave that grew up through the ranks and became governor. Felix was used to taking bribes. If rebellion had surfaced or come up in the land, it was Rome, if they heard about it, would often say, there's a problem, they would replace that individual. And, and they were, the, the governors or those that were in charge were, were very quick to try to put down any type of factions. Felix is already on thin ice with Caesar. He's already is, 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 is having a problem, just like Pontius Pilate had a problem. And because of this, they wanted to curry favor with the Jews, and so they would give them, wanted to give them what they wanted. But Felix already knew about the way, which is the way of Jesus Christ, which is Christianity, which is the, the new way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are fighting against. And you remember what we said, why they were called Sadducees, because they're sad, you see. <laughs> Paul is the, is the defendant, and Tertullus is the prosecutor for the religious leaders. And you have to imagine that they had taken counsel together and says, we have this Paul that we can't stand, that we hate, and we need to have charges that are going to stick. And so they, they, they came together and they began to discuss what's going to be our presentation. How are we going to lay out our argument? And as Tertullus begins, he slobbers all over Felix. Not literally, y'all, not literally. <laughs> but he just pours out as if they love him. They didn't like Felix. They didn't like Governor Felix. But it does say something that we need to do, though. And Paul does it, as we'll get to. We need to be respectful of those that are in authority, even if we might disagree with them. You see, I, one thing that bothers me is that when the police stop you from for speeding or doing something wrong, you get an attitude. Why are you stopping me? Get an attitude as if. They have not been empowered to stop a person breaking the law. And we act as if they've done something wrong for stopping us. Just picking on me. Some do, but not all. But if you're doing wrong and you get stopped, please don't say, there's a hundred other cars going fast. You got caught. <laughs> And the other thing, I would just say, you saying, 
flowing, going with the flow of traffic, 85 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone. And he picked you out. And we have the nerve to say, you could have got somebody else. That's what they were saying about you. <laughs> and they brother said, I'm glad they got them and not me. <laughs> There are four primary charges that are levied against Paul by Tertullus. Let's briefly just name them. Paul is accused as being a troublemaker. That's a lie. They were the ones who piled up and, and riled up rather the people and tried to kill Paul. Remember when Paul came to Jerusalem. Now I'm taking you back. If you, if you, you may not remember when Paul came to Jerusalem, there had been some of those as he came off of one of his missionary journeys uh, they were trying to keep Paul from going to Jerusalem because it had been prophesied that, Paul, you're going to face danger when you go there. So they tried to keep Paul from going. Now, I'm not going to get into the debate whether Paul should have gotten there or not. I'm not going to get into that part. I've dealt with that in some of the teachings. But, but Paul is there. And while Paul comes into town within a short amount of time, time those that have been from Asia that have been against Paul, they go, there's that troublemaker. And the crowd went after and started beating him up to kill him. So when they say Paul is a troublemaker, they're lying. They were the troublemakers. They started the riot. Number two, they accused Paul of stirring up riots among the Jews. That's false. That's number two. And let me just say this. That's why because it was the commander Lysias who sent his troops to go down and get Paul find out what's going on. And they went and rescued him. If Paul had not been rescued, he would have been killed. Number three, they say that he's a ringleader, a ringleader of the sect. He did not have time to even form a group to lead a rebellion. Isn't that good? I gave her my notes before, so she just kind of, isn't that good? See? <laughs> this would have been a severe charge since Rome did not tolerate insurrection. See, if, they, if this is one of the most serious charges that they're leveling against Paul, because if Paul is a ringleader of the sect, then they're saying that this person is the one that is causing and starting riots that Rome does not tolerate, and Paul would have been crucified or killed. So this is the most serious that they're leveling against him. But something that they don't realize is that a letter had already preceded Paul by Lysias, by Lysias rather, before they had gotten it that evidently they are not aware of. Let's go on. Number four. They said that Paul tried to desecrate the temple by bringing a Gentile into the area that they did not allow. That was not true. And let me go back a step to number three in regards to, well, Go back to number four. If you remember, there was a place in the temple where the Jewish people would go and the Gentiles could not enter. And if a Gentile or a person that was not Jewish went into, the, into the, this part of the temple, they would say that it was unclean. They tried to accuse Paul of that. Now, Paul had already and only been in Jerusalem for 12 days. Now, I'm already kind of going ahead and where my notes are, but that's okay. But, but one of the things that I want you to keep in mind is this. If Paul had been a 
ringleader or had been a person that was starting riots, it would have taken more than 12 days to get a following. And even during that 12-day period, seven of those days, he was in purification. He was in the temple, and they had even seen him there. So it basically then comes down, he would have only had five days. Which is definitely not enough time. So this argument that they're presenting is flawed. It doesn't have enough time. You follow me? So, so when a person is leading a rebellion, oftentimes there is a, a time of gathering momentum and gathering a following in order to, to kind of take a stand. Paul didn't even have that. In fact, was there by himself. And then, which is not the fifth, but the fifth, as we were to add a fifth, was that the leaders joined what Tertullus was saying, that everything that he said is true. All of it was, were lies. Roman citizens had the ability to defend themselves. Now, remember, when we had talked before, Paul being from Tarsus, um, Paul would have had, as we talked about, he actually had the, the privilege of being born as a Roman citizen. There were people that had to purchase their citizenship. And when you were a citizen, there were certain things that couldn't be done to you unless charges were brought and you had a chance to defend yourself. So when, when Paul is given the opportunity to speak, he's actually, as a Roman citizen, able to defend himself. Now, the tables are definitely stacked against him because the Sanhedrin, Tertullus, and whoever else they may have brought are all gathered around making these accusations, and Paul is standing alone. But do you remember what the Lord said even to his disciples? That, that don't, don't worry about what you need to say when it comes to the time. I will give you the words that you need to say. When you are with Christ, you are always a majority. It makes no difference how many are on the other side. When you are with Christ, you are always in the majority. Oftentimes, we don't recognize and realize that, but you're never in the minority. And I think Paul did not forget that. Now, let's just briefly take a quick look at Paul. Paul addresses Felix respectfully. He didn't fawn over him. He didn't slobber all over him. Kiss up to him like some people do. Oh, such and such is coming to town. Oh, I, I just wanted to get close to such and such. Oh, if I can just take the hand. <laughs> Got to be careful that we don't fawn over anybody Amen. but the Lord. Give respect. But we have to be careful what we do. So Paul was courteous as he respectfully acknowledged him. Point number two, Paul stands for righteousness. You'll find that in verses 10 through 21. If it was, if, if it was deemed that Paul was stirring up rights against Rome, Felix would have dealt with it right then. But Felix does not. He allows Paul to give his speech. Now I want you to note something. It was Paul, rather than his accusers, who actually says that what I have done can be verified. One of the things that's so interesting about the Bible is that the Bible says, go check out the evidence. When people say, man, this is kind of all in the courtroom today, huh, I guess. Huh? You've got to bring the evidence. One of the interesting things that this group did here 
They made the charges and the allegations, but they didn't have any proof. Paul says it can be easily verified that no more than 12 days ago I came to Jerusalem. Then I was in the temple. Then if those that really had a problem against me, if they, were, if they really had a problem, why aren't they here? If the, if the people from Asia, the ones that stirred up the crowd, if they really had a problem, why aren't they here accusing me? Wouldn't it be interesting that all these charges that are leveled against you and the person who's making the charges, it's not even there? Trumped up charges? Let me tell this story. I was riding a motorcycle one day, and I think I may have told you this word. My brother's friend, Ron, I was in high school, or just out of high school, and no, college had a motorcycle, 400, I think I was about 19. And she loved to ride motorcycles, so I said, I'll pick you up and I'll take you on a ride. Back in that day, you didn't have to have a helmet. I'm black, she was white. She was on the back of the bike, I'm going through Fairfax. <laughs> Traffic had stopped. And me being a good motorcycle driver, I'm looking around, as I should, right? But when I turned to look around and look back, traffic had stopped in front of me. Now, I know this was nothing but the Lord. I slammed on the brakes, and the bike started fishtailing. It's sliding. You do that all the time. I see you driving. You can. <laughs> I have fun preaching. Y'all forgive me. No. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and the bike started fishtailing. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to hit this car in front of me. I don't know how it happened. Somehow, the car went around to the left side. I don't remember turning the wheel, the, the, the bike. All I know, I slammed and just missed it. And as I missed that car, there was a... A, uh, a, an officer coming up on the other side and stopped and said, pull over. Pull over. Okay. I pulled over. He said to me, you were tailgating. I said, no, I wasn't. Okay. I said, traffic has stopped. And now Karen, Ronnie's friend, on the, she's on the, I saw her, she was just shaking her head. I said, I wasn't fishtailing. I said, I wasn't, I wasn't tailgating. Traffic had stopped. And as a, good, as a good motorcycle driver, I'm looking in my mirrors, looking around, and I look back up and it stopped. If I was too close, I definitely would hit that, that, that car in front of me. He wrote me a ticket. Now, let me just say this. If you get a ticket, sign it. Don't say, I ain't signing no ticket. They can't take you to jail. The ticket basically just says you agree to show up or to take care of this. Don't mean you can't still go to court. Sign the ticket. Stop arguing. I had to argue because he was wrong. <laughs> and I had fun with him that day, I have to say. I really did. So as I got back on my bike to leave, shaking my head, all of a sudden I heard a scrrr, boom, right in front of me. A Volkswagen hit this car in front. I don't know what made me do this. I got off the bike, went to the officer, rode in the window. I said, sir, was that car following too close to you? 
He went, yes, and his friend went, <laughs> damn off the lap, started cracking up. <laughs> he got upset, and his friend bust out laughing. <laughs> I got back on my bike and took off. <laughs> I went to court. And this officer showed up. He had like four or five people there that day. When the judge got to me, because at this time, he heard all the cases, and then he called me back in that we gave our defense. I, he didn't tell the truth or something. I just told it happened. And, and the judge got back, he laughed and smiled and says, dismissed. <laughs> we have to remember and understand that when God is on our side, there are times when we just have to hold our peace. Do us right and just let the Lord fight our battles. When Paul is standing there with these trumped up charges, he says, check out the evidence. If the people that were making accusation are not here, they should be. And so Paul says, I want you to verify. It is critically important to note that the Bible throughout history, has been able to be verified. And in fact, the archaeology and, and, the, and the things that they have found have proven the Bible correct over and over and over again. And in fact, because the Bible was written in the time frame within that first century in such a short time, it didn't have enough time to have legend and folklore to all come in. You know, a lot of books were written hundreds of years after the events. The Bible was in a short period of time. And often by eyewitnesses to the events. So when a person says, oh, the Bible was written by men. But in in Timothy, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God oversaw the process in regards to make sure that his word would be communicated accurately and correctly. So when the Bible, people say it is only man wrote it, God uses men. Aren't you glad that God uses people to get his work done? God uses individuals in order to help people to come to Christ. Isn't it great that God would entrust his blessings to us and say, now, why don't you use it wisely? I'm going to give this to you. And if you use it wisely, I'm going to give you more and bless you more so that you can continue to use what I give you. You see, Paul, by the age of 21, as we said, had the equivalent of what they believe of two PhDs as he sat under the feet of Gamaliel, the top teacher of this time. Paul was well steeped, and even though Paul was once a persecutor of the church, when he turned to the Lord, the Lord took that same zeal and turned it around for him. It would be intimidating being in court and having to face your accusers, and everybody's against you, telling lies, and you got a governor on the take, and you stand firm for your conviction. When one stands for righteousness, one can be bold. I'll soon be done. I see my time is running very quickly. All new religions had to be approved by Rome. Felix was familiar with this group of believers called the Way. Felix had even married Drusilla. Now, Drusilla was part of Herod's family. It is believed, let me just say this part of this. Drusilla, it is believed, was not yet 20 years old. When she and Felix came to see Paul, which brings us to our third point, and I'll be done and give me four minutes. 
Private meetings that fall on deaf ears. Private meetings that fall on deaf ears. Referencing verse, verses 24 through 27. Bribery and the Bible, they don't match. They don't go together. Bribery and the Bible, dishonest scales and the Bible don't go together. You might be able to bribe some people. Paul was not a person that you could bribe. Paul refused to give part of the word of God. Paul spoke about the judgment of God to Felix and his wife, Drusilla, and as he would oftentimes call for Paul to come to him privately. You see, when Paul was, was put back in, in, in prison, he, he was given special privileges to allow people to come to him. In fact, Felix says, give Paul some little free, let his friends come and, 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 and see him and visit him. It was Felix's, Felix's content or his, his plan to bring Paul, because he liked to hear him, so that Paul would bribe him, would give him something or offer him something. Because Felix had been used, had become very wealthy through bribery. And he was hoping that Paul would just say, uh, whatever they would say, can I give you something? And Felix then would say, oh, I release him. I find nothing wrong or I find no charges that can stand against him. But Paul wouldn't do it. And what did Paul do? Paul preached the word of God. Let me say this. Paul preached about righteousness. And when Paul preached about right living, he was speaking directly to Felix. Because Felix, <laughs> he convinced Drusilla, Drusilla to leave her husband at the age of 16 and to live with him whom he later married. It is believed that she's under 20 years old when she comes with Felix at this time and sits before Paul. Now, she is related, as we said, Herod the Great is her grandfather. And we talked about the Herods. Every Herod after Herod the Great is called a tetrarch, means ruler of the fourth. His sons, all sat on the throne, crooked. When we look at Felix and Drusilla sitting before Paul. It was the judgment that Paul spoke about that would cause Felix to say, that's enough for today. <laughs> I'll call you when it's more convenient. My daddy spoke a message that come at a more convenient time. <laughs> he would be scared because of the judgment. Paul was not the one on trial. Felix was the one. On trial. There was one public hearing, but there were many private hearings. And Felix was the one who stood. Do you not know it's not enough to just hear the gospel? If it was enough to just hear the gospel, then my goodness, the churches would be full. But Hearing is necessary for believing, but hearing alone does not save. It was the judgment that he heard that scared him. It was the judgment to come that Paul spoke about, that warning that he gave that caused him to shake in his sandals. Not his boots, because they didn't have boots. <laughs> and so Paul refused to offer a bribe and said, I would rather remain in prison like, ah, 
Minister Saeed, who's over in Iran right now, says, I refuse to deny Jesus Christ. What stand are you willing to take for God? Or can somebody offer you something that would bribe you and says, I'll give Jesus up in a minute, just offer me just enough money or something. Where do you stand? Paul refused to offer a bribe and remained in prison. Felix leaves him in prison for two years. And there's nothing in history that ever shows that Lysias ever came down from Jerusalem as they said he waited. Felix is replaced by Governor Festus. And guess who was the one that replaced Felix or called for his replacement? None other who later became Paul's executioner, but Nero. Nero hadn't always been bad the first five years or so. He studied under a great philosopher, but he went later mad for whatever reason and tortured and became the most ruthless dictator, leader of the Caesars of Rome. I believe that Paul died under Nero. Unwilling to compromise the truth. Unwilling to offer or take a bribe. Because Paul understood that for him to live was Christ and to die was gain. Bow your heads, please. Today, Lord, in this place, we pray that you will. Allow the word to sink deep into our hearts. That we will take inventory and say, Lord, have I accepted any bribes for my stance for you? Have I attempted to give any bribes to deny the Lord Jesus Christ? When we think of that, of the fact that you were willing to come and die and on that cross was more than likely naked. Bearing the shame for us. And yet we can be so concerned about people's thinking that we retract and back away from the truth of God's word. May we not take a bribe today when the Lord has been standing with us. May we remember that with Christ we are in the majority. No matter what charges may be, may be leveled against us, may we stand firm. We love you today. We honor you today. We bless you today. With your eyes closed as we conclude. Is there anybody in this place that has never said yes to, will, to the will of God? Said, so, you know, God, I've always thought about accepting you as my Savior, but I just don't, haven't done it. Bible says... As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God, in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love for us. In that, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And then the Bible says, but listen, the wages for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Is there anybody in this place that could say, you know, if I leave here today, I'm okay with God. I'm going on into eternity with him. If you can't say you're going with heaven, you're in a dangerous place if you leave here without knowing him. Simply says, Lord, I accept you. Anybody in this place, just by uplifting his ear, I'm willing to accept the Lord as my Savior. Willing to say yes to the kingdom, the king of kings. Today, Lord, we honor you for the word of God. And as we leave this place today, may we always remember that God, who was for us, is more than anyone that can be against us. We love you today and we praise you. Give us traveling mercy as we leave here. We pray for those that have gathered that the word of God may keep us. We'll follow it, giving you all the honor and praise. We give you glory in the most precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.